0: I sit on the throne of the first galactic empire, and I do not listen to the Order 66 podcast. I give it. TK41, get back to your post.
1: Hey, this is Donovan Morningfire, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. Correctly hey, with the correct
0: 20 Radio, your game is wrong. www.b20radio.com
2: Execute order 66. Greetings, gamer nation! Welcome back to the Order sixty six podcast. This is episode number twenty. That's 20. right, gentlemen, ladies, germs. We ding twenty. I'm GM Dave.
3: Ding. I am GM Chris. What is up, gamer nation? What is up, GM Dave? Man, it's been a long weekend. We're both just got back in from out of town.
2: Yes, indeed, we were in the um, we were in the planet Houston for That's my in Houston. We have a problem. No, oh no, no problem there. My daughter's soccer team went undefeated in a uh, recent rumble with uh, South Texas soccer teams. Damn! Yeah, it's very not cool. Bad. You know, the world of select soccer—we're traveling all over the nation, and it's starting to get fun.
3: Oh, very cool,
2: very cool. I was out of town
3: uh, in the east part of Texas for my mother's birthday, ah, which uh, nice. you know I, I try to, you know, not be a total stranger to my family, so it was it was an enjoyable weekend ah very good very good but it's it's been a it's it's been an interesting weekend it's going to be an exciting week coming up um and it kind of brings us into some some i guess big announcements yes
2: ah okay
3: new fanfare i like that i like that drop I like that. Thank you. (laughs) Friday, June 6, 2008. Next week, 4th edition Dungeons & Dragons hits the shelves. Wahoo. Uh, I really, really, really hope that it's as good as Saga. Um, there's, there's been, and I'm sure you've seen, there's been a huge stink online. Um, as many forum goers over at N-World and other places have uh, claimed to have gotten their copies early uh, due to some shipping errors from Buy.com and Amazon and a couple other places, um, Wizards of the Coast does not appear pleased. I doubt it. Um, so this is, this is very interesting. I understand many copies of the core books have already found their way onto uh, the intertubes as well which is unfortunate, ah. uh, but uh, yeah, so it's, it's kind of out there already for some folks, but officially it will be released next week, and uh, if you guys are totally interested in 4th edition and you want to find out more about it uh, and don't really want to, you know, maybe get to the bookstore and read or, or purchase, you can do what?
2: Oh, You can listen. Yes, you, you can listen to Radio Free Hamlet.
3: Radio Free Hamlet, our uh, sister cast, uh, part, of D2, uh, part of the uh, D20 radio network. And it is a, uh, of course, uh, all of you grogs out there will recall the reference to the old uh, Temple of Elemental Evil uh, module. But uh, Radio Free Hamlet is a cast specifically devoted to 4th edition Dungeons and & Dragons. And correct me if I'm wrong, Dave, Friday night they posted their, what, their second episode?
2: Dos, that's correct.
3: And, which is amazing. I haven't even had a chance to listen to it yet because I've been out of town well, all weekend. Yeah, me too. And I'm, When we're done here, man, I'm, I'm loading that sucker up and listening to it because they're going to be covering uh, "Keep on the Shadowfell," uh, which is the uh, fourth edition module. that's already been released and kind of has a little had a little pre you know play rules and stuff on it. So I'm kind of anxious to
2: to hear about it. Where can we find that cast though? Well, we can find it straight at d20radio.com. There's a link right on our homepage that says "Hamlet Radio Free Hamlet." It popped into my Zune automatically when I got home this evening.
3: Well, very nice. Well, excellent, yeah. And you guys, of course, can go to our website, as Dave said, which is d20radio.com, and you can not only download the cast, but you can also go to the forums at d20radio.com slash forum, join the Gamer Nation, get your voice heard, get your input on both shows, um, and uh, you can let us know exactly what you want. And, of course, if you have any questions for this show, the Order 66 podcast, you can post it up on the forums, you can uh, email us at gmchris at d20radio.com or gmdave at d20radio.com or if you have any uh, bump any I Never listen to the Order 66 podcast bumpers, you can give us a call uh, with those or questions at 206-600-5872. LUSA! LUSA, 206-600-LUSA. So give us a call, uh, join the forums, email us. We would love to hear from you.
2: All right. Hey, guess what? Hey, what? Um, have you had a chance to visit your mailbox since you've been home? No. no well... Oh. No, have you? Uh, yeah. Okay, I,
3: w- I was hoping you would. I didn't get a chance to stop by on the way home. You know the the imperial patrols. They're well, I, you know, not to not to diss on the beauty that is the Empire, you know, but they do make it a little hard, you know, with their traffic controlling routes uh, to to easily get to your mailbox when you need to. But I, I was hoping you might have snagged it for me on your way.
2: Uh, indeed, sir. Okay, so I'll, I'll I'll tell you what we have here. Okay, it 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 looks to be very. Uh, what would you call it, hastily written uh, on, a, yeah. on, a, on a piece of cardstock here that looks a little burnt, looks singed, actually, is a better word for it, kind of dry, Okay. and uh, it's a picture of a very, ooh, very harsh-looking world. And it reads, Welcome to Iridonia. We don't know why you're here, but welcome. From across the galaxy, it's time for Postcards from Commander Cody.
0: Dear GM Dave and GM Chris, My squad has been assigned on protection duty again for Emperor Palpatine. He's taken an extended shuttle ride to the harshest populated world I've been to in my service, Iridonia. Dry and desolate covered with rocky expanse and open oceans of lava, I'm amazed the Zabrak people came from this place. Most Zabrak I've seen have been on one of their dozens of worlds. No wonder. I'd be desperate to leave this place too. But I do have to say I like the culture here. Everyone is very straightforward, very strict, tough, military-minded, and that's something I respect. Well, the Emperor is here seeking out young Zabraks with dark skin. He doesn't seem satisfied with those, he finds. Uh, they either talk too much or don't know any cool martial arts. He keeps telling us about this one kid he found here a long time ago who knew the coolest martial arts, only had a three-word vocabulary. Uh, he liked him, apparently. He comes out here to look, uh, usually after Lord Vader does something stupid. I uh, here last week he captured an entire Corellian Corvette without even damaging it in pursuit of some stolen battle plans, which he couldn't even find. Ha! <laughs> well... After several dissatisfied days of searching the Emperor's finally leaving, you awful for one of me gonna get off this rock. If you get the chance, don't go to Iridonia. If you can. but later guys. Long live the Empire Your friend, Commander Cody.
2: Well Huh <clears throat> If you get the chance, don't go to Iridonia if Cody has
3: anything to say about it wow well it's good i think it's good to hear from him i'm glad he's doing he's doing well you know i um you know i'm very pleased that the the emperor you know is is spending you know his personal time pursuing his interests you know but there's there's times that i you know i i wonder you know how how the business of the galaxy is running you know under the empire and and you know i don't question it i never question it of course you know how the the beauty that is the imperial rule but you know sometimes i just you know part of me kind of maybe wishes that you know his his greatness the emperor would you know spend more time you know, in in the uh, the imperial halls, you know, perhaps deciding policy and and such. You know, maybe we might get rid of some of the some of the infrastructure problems we we we've we've been having. Maybe yes, really, perhaps. But I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining at all. Of
2: course, all. of course, you're not complaining naturally. naturally. But we will have some complaints uh, on the forum later, based on the number of you knows that you just spit out.
3: You know, like really, for like, sure, totally. <laughs> all right well let's get on with the show guys let's get to some real mail what do you say dave
2: what do you say
4: all right back. pay attention it's time for mail call Ooh, well mail time
2: call. to time to produce on the fly uh Ooh, okay you want to do a phone call first
3: hey yeah sure
2: okay all right we got one here you go it's a it's a two-parter by the way okay so uh let's uh let's take these in order if we can here we go lay on
1: Hey, TJ from Wolf-Blooded Gamer. Got a couple questions this week I was hoping you guys could help out my group with. Nope. The first one is regarding character races. I have a couple players that have expressed interest in playing Mandalorian and or Ichani and or Iridorian uh, characters. And for the uninitiated, those are all near-human races that sort of have a reputation for mercenary and combat excellence in the Star Wars universe. I've offered to do things like give them extra feats uh, for Bad free, idea. you know, to represent you know Mandalorians' combat prowess. But uh, seeing as they're soldiers and they pretty much want to focus on one type of weapon, that didn't really sound like the best option. So I was just wondering what you guys would uh, recommend for something like that. Should I just tell them you're going to get the normal human traits and you're going to like it, or should they get something extra? But one other question I had regarding. It was regarding starting player money. It seems like most first-level characters start with a, a pretty paltry amount of money, even if you max out the uh, the dice roll for starting credits, unless, of course, they're a noble. And some of my players were complaining that the Jedi, if you start out first-level Jedi, you get a lightsaber for free right away, which costs like 3,000 credits or something like that. And uh, they, they thought that was kind of unfair because they can't really buy the weapons they want because they don't have enough credits starting out. So I've kind of been ruling that uh, all starting characters can have 3,000 credits to spend on weapons alone, just to kind of even the playing field, but they can't buy anything else with it. Do you think that's a good ruling? Uh, why or why not? Um, thanks, guys, and of course, as always, keep up the good work.
2: Well, let me take a crack at this one. Go go
3: for it. Which what do you what do you want to hit first? You want I'm, to hit the. I'm uh, I'm going to
2: take the second part first.
3: Oh, the uh, starting credits. Right. Okay. We'll hit and, it.
2: Then. And I'm going to I'm going to tell TJ that his gaming group has to go ahead and clean their regimes right now because they're a bunch. Well, never mind. <laughs> All right. Your first level, for Christ's sake, you're not supposed to have a ton of money. So the Jedi gets a lightsaber. Wah, wah, wah. That's balance issues we're talking about here, pals.
3: But he, he only gets 40% of the starting money of, like, of a soldier. I mean, yeah. And that's, I, I don't know. I mean, as, as the Jedi progresses as a character, I mean, unlike anything else, he can't buy better gear. Right. I mean, there's that whole, you know, no material possession ownership thing. I mean, I don't know. If you're a soldier, you're all about better gear. I agree with you, man. I, TJ, I think your players are being a little whiny about this. Um and honestly, I I've, I've never heard that complaint before. Never. Pussies. Um it's kind of crazy. Um I guess my suggestion, TJ, um I mean, I and to my let me start by saying I mean to everyone, I think you should max out your starting credits at first level. Yeah. I do it. Uh the RPGA does it. Um if you're not rolling for ability scores, I mean most folks use point buy, don't do it for money. Okay? At least, you know, not at first level. Um, But I don't think the problem is that the starting credits are too low. I mean, mean, clearly I think Dave agrees with me. The problem is that your first level players, your first level players, are expecting to be equipped far beyond their means. Guess what? You're not supposed to have the uber weapon you want at first level. Yes, I understand you're a Mandalorian. No, you can't have full Mando armor and a heavy repeating blaster. Sorry. Because you can't afford it. You're only first level. Um, you know, yes. I'm afraid you're going to have to make do with a simple carbine. Yes. Even Boba Fett started out with one of those. I don't know. You know, by second level, your players should have double their starting credits, and that should afford them the awesome weapon that they want. Um, you know, a Jedi. You mentioned Jedi. They get a free weapon because well, they have to. It's the only weapon they have. Right. And the only weapon they're proficient in, and that's all they're ever going to get. They don't get better. You know, th- they can't buy better gear the same way a soldier can. Um, don't give your players a credit allowance for weapons, sheesh. You tell them to suck it up and understand that first level characters don't get to have wicked armor and heavy repeating blasters and grenade launchers. It doesn't happen in other systems, why should it happen here? I mean, you know, what? My first level D&D fighter can't have full plate and a masterwork greatsword? Why not? Mm. Because he's first level. Yeah. But Dave, you hit the money on the head, man, when you were talking about balance. Yeah. I mean... If you, I mean, the money each character receives is balanced with how much ca- damage the character can conceivably do at certain levels with the equipment that they can afford, okay? And how difficult it should be, monetarily, to obtain weapons as the character progresses. Don't break that balance, okay? Max out the starting credits, all right? Let any noble that's in the party share credits if they want. That's their role. But keep it at that. I mean... I don't know. Aside from the, and that's the thing, aside from the most exotic of crap and and the really expensive armor, they won't be able to, there's nothing they won't be able to afford by second or third level if you're awarding them properly. Right. So, first level, suck it up.
2: Suck it up. Right, boys. So, all of TJ's gamers, suck it up. Oh, (laughs) oh, sorry. Yeah, dang it. You forgot that one. You forgot that one. You know what? I started with max credits, like, you know, like we do. And I was still able to get my vibro axe. I got a little padded uh, flight suit. Yeah, you know, and, and not much else, but that's what no, you got. Not much else, but that is exactly what I got—a little, little, bit of food. And you know, hey, that's enough. That's enough for my guy to go kick ass.
3: At first level, you should not have the weapon you want. You know, the Jedi is the one exception because of the of the aspect of it and the fact that they can't get any more stuff.
2: So, right. Yeah. So,
3: as to the first part of your question,
2: TJ, boy, we have some really good stuff going on our forum for this.
3: Yeah, there's a lot of really good stuff about it, and I think I think T.J. started it um, himself, and we've had a lot of good stuff. But I'll go ahead and give you my view. I've already posted it up on the forums, but near humans, like you know, the Mandos, Ichani, Iridorians, I mean, they aren't statted as separate races in Saga under any current rule set. Even the near human NPCs that we see, like in the currently released, you know, Threats of the Galaxy, or saying Django, Boba, who are all near humans, they're treated as human in their stat blocks. Okay. In my opinion, near-human is just that, 99.9% human. Right. And as such, I'm going to give them the same racial abilities. Okay, oh, oh, but but GM Chris, Ichani are naturally quicker than humans. Okay, well, I guess they all took dodge as their human bonus fee. <laughs> yeah. All right? But in, in all seriousness, there's no reason to complicate the rules in such a fashion. All right, biologically, if a human and a near-human can breed and they can, EU tells us so, they can't be genetically different enough to have differing racial benefits, in my opinion. Right. Tell your players, suck it up and role-play it. Ooh. If they want to be a Mando, guess what? You got, you're role-playing a Mando. There you go. Guess what? Um, Again, yeah. suck it. Suck it up. However, oh, having said that, TJ, um, if you are insistent on giving the near-humans different racial traits, okay, it's your call. You're the GM, but... And this is really, really important. You need to take away something for everything you give. You talked about giving them bonus feats. Well, okay, but you better be taking something away too. you give them a free feat, well, you then you remove the bonus human feat. Okay. If you give them a skill reroll or a free skill focus, then you remove the human bonus trained skill. Okay. Otherwise, near humans will be better than humans, and this not only doesn't fit the EU, but it grossly violates game balance. So. So My credits. But thanks for calling in, though. Seriously, you always give us the best questions, TJ. Right. Much appreciated. Much right. appreciated. Good to hear from you.
2: All right. Excellent. Cool. Awesome. Excellent. So, so you did that. Uh, y- uh Rabin uh, – oh, no, <laughs> never mind. Sorry. That
3: wasn't <laughs> – No, we had one other question uh, from Asak Yizrim. Oh, that guy. Uh, one yeah. Of our, that's one of our, right. our posters on the forums. Um, and he actually had a really good question, and this has come up a couple times, so I want to cover it. Um, he asks, uh, if a character with the linguist feet uh, – a noble or some such – raises his or her intelligence score and their modifier increases by one, does the character gain two additional languages? One is a regular intelligence-based bonus language and one from the linguist feed. Um, On a related note, if a character in a prestige class raises his or her intelligence and the modifier increases by one, how do they choose which skill to become trained in? Prestige classes don't have skill lists. Uh So, good question, Aesok. Good question. Well, let me start by saying that Saga is very retroactive-friendly. I mean, in almost every capacity you can think of. Uh, This is one of the things I love about this game. This has been stated by the devs many times, um, and it's a marvelous feature of this system. It's it's also clarified as raw on page 37 of the core rulebook. And what it will tell you is that any time, any time a character's intelligence modifier goes up, not only do they learn a new language, but they also train in a new skill. Now, as to your specific questions, since all repercussions of the ability increase are taken into account. The linguist feat would bump an an extra language known as well. So a character with linguist who increases their intelligence would learn two new languages. Now, as for what skill to train in, you never have to train in a skill that is only on the class list of the class you leveled in when your intelligence modifier went up. You always, in Saga, have access to the entire gamut of class skills for every class that you've got levels in. So for the purposes of intelligence boosts and skill training feats, even though prestige class have no skill lists, you can train in any skill from a prior class, which you're going to have at least seven levels. of. Yeah. So I hope that helps and answers your question.
2: yippee ki again. 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 Well, man,
3: Dave, you know, we, we talked a couple of weeks ago about Threats of the Galaxy, uh, you know, the new supplement book that's out. And if you guys haven't checked it out, check it out. It's pretty freaking cool. Um, There's a lot of discussion and debate about it. Um, And we are actually going to be focusing on it next week um, because we've had a request to really spend some time delving into it now that the book's out. And I really would like to spend some time on it and take a break from the Prestige Class discussion that we've been having, which we're obviously continuing with this week. Um, But there's been a lot of controversy about Threats of the Galaxy. There's there's been some some editing mistakes with it. People are are decrying horribly, and other people think it's an absolutely wonderful book. And there's been a lot of really cool new stuff in it that's been afforded to us, and so we really want to kind of kind of delve delve into it. And speaking of new stuff afforded to us by Threats of the Galaxy, Dave, I got a chance before I went out of town this weekend, on my way actually, to stop by and visit uh, visit an old buddy who runs a uh, a very special uh, uh, salvage shop down. On Tatooine.
2: Oh, is that the case?
0: This is Watto for Watto's Bargain Basement, and I want you to come on down to Tatooine this week for our big special sale. Tell them Jabba sent you and you get a free chance cube. Uh, We got the deals for you. Come on down to Watto's Bargain Basement. Uh, What do you know? Uh... Well. Well.
2: What did you find down there besides... Oh my gosh, is this... Dude, is that a computer Shh, spike? Sh- 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 oh, sorry.
3: Okay. All right. Check, check this out, man. Okay. This is a computer spike. All right. Now it's it it really costs me a lot. Okay. And and it, it's it's not exactly um legal. Well, legal. Okay. Um. You see, I, I don't I don't know anything about computers, but but this little spike right here, it sure does. And uh, I was very keen to pick one up. Um. I mean, do do you know anything about these? Yeah, I do.
2: Highly illegal. Highly illegal. You can only use it once as a swift action to improve access into a computer. And that's it. Pretty much.
3: Uh, Yeah, pretty much. Um, It's a little heavy. It weighs about a kilo. Uh, It's kind of a, you know, it's about the size of a little pad here, and you can kind of plug it into any system pretty much. But um, it makes its own used computer check. Um, with a bonus that it has, uh, which varies based on the cost of the spike. All right, now it's it's pretty pricey. It's 1,500 credits per plus two bonus that the spike has to its check. So I mean, you know, if you will drop willing to drop, you know, 10 G's, you can get a pretty amazing spike. You know, that'll definitely improve access. Um, you know, or improve attitude, pretty much. You know, to gain access. But right. uh, what this means, man, is that if I got three of these things, all right, I can spend a full round using three of them on one computer. Each one making its own check to improve access. And if each one succeeds, I could conceivably move a computer from hostile to friendly in a single round. Ooh. But um Very it cost expensive. me quite a few creds.
2: Very expensive.
3: And you know, but since I know nothing about use computer, you know using computers, you know, it's really great for me and uh you know, some of my some of my buddies down, you know, on the 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 underworld of, of Tatooine, you know, with uh with Wado's help can, can can hook me up and you know, if if I if I got the creds to spend then I really need it. There it is. Cool. Very cool. So it is the computer spike, and it is fresh from Threats of the Galaxy, where there's lots of other cool little items that we will be discussing
2: in shows to come. Well, awesome. Awesome, awesome. So, um, you know what? Huh. uh 18th lap, Tony Stewart, correct.
3: I don't care. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, you know, I got my angst out early today. I'm I'm happy for you
3: I'm I'm you know I not not a, not a very big NASCAR fan but uh you know I understand that many many people do watch it and it's like blood sausage I don't like it but some people do <laughs> I guess <laughs> yeah it cracks me up the forum response has been great guys by the way to Dave's NASCAR obsession I love it you know the uh we got the one link to uh to Jeff Dunham the the comedian the ventriloquist comedian who's like you to talk about NASCAR oh look they're making a left turn Yep.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, but somebody sent somebody scanned in a uh, picture from uh, Danica Patrick off the uh, SI. Oh, swimsuit uh, edition. No mm, oh. yummy. I'm not going to
3: argue on the yumminess of Danica Patrick, but um, but uh, oh, definitely. dude.
2: Uh, okay, we're an official sidebar now. But anyway, we were we were thumbing through the you know in between games in the hotel, my wife and I thumbing through just quick, quick, yeah. bomb, 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 and all of a sudden I was like, oh wait, I got to go back, and it was Danica Patrick on the TV, and she's like, who's that? I'm like. Okay, she's on my list, all right? You know how we each have, the, like, the five people? The, the list of five, That's yes, right. from friends. Yes That's if right. If God
3: decreed that you could, it would be okay. Yeah. She is
2: number one on my five. Wow. And she still doesn't know who she is. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, moving on. Shall we get into the meat of our cast? Sure, let's talk about the Force Disciple. The
3: Force Disciple. And uh, we, you know, we'd honestly considered guys having a break between after four side up and maybe moving directly into like a threat to the ga- threats of the galaxy discussion. But I really didn't want to um, because this really fits in real well with what we discussed last week. So we just kind of wanted to do it now and get it done. Um, the Force Disciple is, I guess, the first of a handful of what I, what I like to call advanced prestige classes in the book, um, which basically have much higher level requirements. And these short little five level prestige classes represent the pinnacle of a certain character path. Um, and they often offer devastating and amazing abilities that are beyond the can of lower level characters. So mm-hmm. they're pretty cool. Um, Most of them are also geared towards progressing from an existing prestige class. And in the Force Disciples case, that prestige class would be the Force Adept, which is why we thought it apropos to discuss it this week since we discussed the Force Adept in episode 19 last week. Right. Um, The Force Disciple is the Force Adept taken to the next level uh, in terms of abilities. Uh, This is an iconic character that is a Force Sage, okay, Uh, a prophet an oracle, a character who uses the force in a very esoteric or or even primitive way to achieve great power as a a seer or a soothsayer or or a a dedicated servant or master of the force and uh, a very mystical figure. Sensei. Uh, But basically, Dave, and I think you'd agree with me at this stage of the game, uh, you're a badass. Badassery ensues. Badassery really does ensue uh, with, with these, this level of prestige classes, yeah. and uh, we're
2: going to talk about it. We're talking imminent ruage. Imminent ruage. Yes,
3: much ruage is to be had. But how do you get there? Uh, let's talk about the prereqs. Um, unlike most other prestige classes in the book, the Forest Disciple cannot be entered until a character is 13th level. Okay? Uh, in addition, um, at least three levels of Force Adept are required for entry. But we'll get to that. Uh, It's also clear that the type of character that becomes a Force Disciple follows a certain path and has a certain connection to the Force. And this is apparent through the requirement of a specific Force power known. This is the only prestige class, the only one with such a requirement. But let's look at the rest. Okay, very similar to the Force Adept. Train skills. you got to be trained and use the Force. Duh. Duh. I mean again, if you're a force user who isn't trained and use the force, aside from a role-playing reason, you really need to rethink your character. <laughs> and since you have to have force add levels to take this class, and that prestige class has the same prereq, but you've already got to be trained. So yeah. Feats. Force sensitivity. Duh. Duh. <laughs> just rewind the podcast. Repeat what I just said about being trained and use the force and it, it works here too. Okay.
4: Duh.
3: Uh talents. Ah, Now, this prestige class doesn't say that you need to have levels in the Force Adept prestige class. But only the Force Adept prestige class has access to the Dark Side Devotee, Force Adept, and Force Item talent trees. And since the Force Disciple requires that you know two talents from any of those trees, that equates to a required three levels in Force Adept,
2: Uh, basically. Should you say it or should I? Say it. Duh.
3: Uh so yeah, you gotta oh. have three levels in force adept and your first and third level will need to be spent taking talents, you know, from any of those talent trees. So uh force techniques. You need to know one force technique. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter which. Well, again, your second level in force adept, which you're gonna have anyway, will provide mm-hmm. you with one force technique. Um from a role-playing standpoint, this represents your deeper understanding of the force. So mm-hmm. And lastly Force powers known. Now we said this is the only prestige class that has a requirement of a known force power, a specifically known force power, and you have to know far-seeing to access this prestige class. That's kind of odd, isn't it,
2: Dave? Um, sort of, but I don't know. The Force Disciple, that that kind of, to me anyway, that that I think it's it it speaks to that whole higher order, that whole sensei, soothsayer. I, I it's I a little odd, but part. yeah, you know. It, it,
3: Absolutely. It. But it, it's kind of odd, because we don't see that level of role-playing requirement um, usually associated with the mechanical bent of a class. But we see it here, and I like it. I like it a lot. Oh, I love it. I love it. I mean, I mean far-seeing is neat, okay, to be frank. Most players, it's not their number one choice. And it can be very useful in a game, but it's just a very decidedly role-playing bent power. Um, now, if you guys will recall from our Force Add-Up discussion, how role role-playing heavy that class can be, this class is nearly the na- clearly the natural extension of that and i mean with all of all the force powers farcing represents like dave says your, your ability to have visions with the force you know what, what i mean what is it we said using use it on using it on a higher level
2: yeah yeah exactly you know? yeah
3: and i agree man it just fits perfectly with their abilities so let's talk about those abilities um now i don't know about you but but when i th- when i look at this class i keep thinking of uh of of episode 4 a new hope um, where uh, Uncle man. Owen talks about Obi-Wan. He says, you know, yeah. he's, he, he's just a crazy old wizard, basically. And uh, although I don't believe Obi-Wan had any levels in this prestige class, I think it fits rather nicely with the yeah. the idea of it. Right. Um, the Force Disciples' abilities are very, very, very similar to the Force Adepts, but we'll get there. Either way, we're not going to rehash our discussion from Episode 19, but rather we're going to focus on how those two prestige classes differ and, more importantly, how they build off each other. In any event, the various builds that you could focus on with the Force Adept, which we covered episode nineteen last week, this prestige class will still let you continue with just in a much better capacity, much better capacity. So, the basics. Um, Dave, w- what are the basics we're looking at here with this prestige class? Okay, basics.
2: It is very, very similar uh, to the Force Adept in so far as you have a crappy base attack bonus. And a D8 hit die, which, well... It's not not bad. It's not horrible, but it's not a D10 either, so, you know. No, it's not. not. Um, The first time you take it, you get plus six to will defense, plus three to reflex defense, and... Fortitude defense. How about that? Well, by the way, um,
3: many of you were quick to jump on us on the forums about this. Um, Errata from episode 19 we kind of forgot to mention that the force disciple uh, uh, excuse, uh excuse me the force adept's defense bonuses the um, include a plus 2 to 4 to 2 defense as well as reflex defense um right this is the, the force adept and the force uh disciple are the only two prestige classes that get static class bonuses to all three defense scores right um and that's that's pretty spiffy um in my opinion it makes up for how the other force using prestige classes outshine these two in lightsaber combat so uh that's that's Pretty, pretty kind of cool. Yep. Um, well, sp- continuing with the basics, Dave. I mean, I know aside from the static stuff like that, at first level,
2: you get a few abilities. Um, what's that first one called? It's, was it Indomitable? It is. In, uh, yeah, I didn't know if you are talking about Profit or Indomitable. Indomitable, uh, yes.
3: I, okay, well, Indomitable. Congratulations. Um, at first level, you are now such a freaking badass uh, that you're simply immune to any and all mind-affecting effects. Immune. Um, Not simply immune to fear effects like the Jedi Master and the Sith Lord, but you're immune to all mind-affecting abilities. Awesome. Nice. Very nice. Now, you mentioned the other ability you get at first level. Profit. Profit.
2: Holy freaking crap. Yeah, okay. That's an HFC moment right there.
3: Pretty much. Um, What are destiny points, younglings? Now, if you really need a primer on destiny points, go give episode 7 a re-listen. We talk about it in D20 Docking Bay. Um, But the upshot as you all know, is that they're the most powerful thing you've got in the oh game. Oh my god. So powerful in fact that you only get one per level. Well, guess what? Every level in Force Disciple nets you two destiny points. That, by my twisted logic, makes you twice the badass. <laughs> uh, in in my opinion, yes. So that's pretty freaking cool. You Profit at uh, at you know first level. Basically, the as Dave mentioned, you know that role playing, you know higher level force aspect. You have a, a deeper understanding of your own destiny and uh, get more destiny points to help you achieve it. Yep, pretty freaking cool. Yep, pretty freaking cool. Well, Dave, let's talk force secrets. I have a um, secret now. Every every most every prestige class gets an odd level ability that we talk about. This isn't really an odd level ability because you get it every single class level except your first. Okay, so from this five-level prestige class, you're basically going to get to learn four Force secrets, all right? Force secrets are basically Force techniques on spice. <laughs> um, we, we covered Force techniques, obviously, with the Force adept last episode. Force secrets represent a far, far deeper understanding of the greater mysteries of the Force than what is attainable by most Force users and even seasoned heroes, okay? There's only five Force secrets. That's yeah. it. Just five. And And like I said, you know, you you learn four over the course of a a full career as a Force disciple. Um, Now, each one does nothing but allow you to spend Force points and destiny points to modify your Force powers in some ridiculous way. And not a single one of them sucks. Okay, so let's talk about them. All right. What do we got first, Dave?
2: Devastating power.
3: Devastating power. Freaking awesome.
2: (laughs) Um, 50% dude, 50%
3: at a minimum, okay, and spend a force point, and you increase the damage of a damaging force power 50%. Bam, off the bat. Now, if you spend a destiny point, okay, now that's not as big a deal with the profit class feature. You double the number of damage dice you roll, okay? And yes, you can spend a force point and a destiny point on the same power, right? And bottom line, younglings, a dark side or force disciple with devastating power, who just feels like spending a Force Point and the Destiny Point on your ass will average 72 points of damage by Force Lightning. Okay? Average. Not max. <laughs> average. <laughs> or 90 points if he can hit you with a Colossal Move Object roll. All right? Now, that's if every die he rolls is a three. Okay? <laughs> so pretty unreal what yeah. you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, very cool. What's next? Distant Power. Distant
2: power. Yep. This is the
3: one where you can you can increase the range of your force powers. By a factor basically. of 10. Yeah, by a factor of 10. Spending a force point, increase the range of a force power by a factor of 10. You spend a destiny point anywhere in the same star system. All right. Uh, this sounds like the coolest thing ever. However, line of sight requirements <laughs> still must be followed. Uh, which really does limit the brooktastic potential of this force secret drastically.
2: Yeah, but opinion? what if you're sitting in a uh, what if you're sitting in a hangar with that's full of uh, like baddies coming towards you, and now you have a sixty foot cone for force slam.
3: Yeah, that that's about the coolest use of this, I think. I mean, line of sight you know, ten times your normal uh, range. Just spending a force point turns force slam into a sixty foot freaking cone. Sixty feet cone. Sixty feet. That's j That's just that's insane 60 60 feet 60 squares right right um that's like the entire map 60 squares yeah um yeah
2: totally (laughs) what's next on the list all right boys and girls let's double our target count with multi-target power
3: Oh, I personally love this one. Spend a Force Point to have a single target power affect two targets. Right. Spend the Destiny Point to have it affect one target for every four character levels you got. That's three people if you pick this up at 14th level, uh, four targets at 16th level, and five at 20th level. This is pretty shiny, Yeah, I would say. Um, Affecting multiple targets with Force Grip or Force Lightning. Ouch. Um, you can also get very creative with Move oh, Object. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's very cool. And this has a special place for me because uh, a Force Disciple NPC who uses this secret to force stun your entire party into unconsciousness, that's always fun, isn't it, Dave?
2: <laughs> I have a bad feeling about this. Yes, yes, it is.
3: <laughs> Took you guys hours to wake up from that. It was wonderful. Uh, well, what is the next one on the list? Um, quicken It's uh, what? Quicken Power. Quicken Power. Okay. This is not as impressive sounding as the others. This can actually lead to the most shenanigans in the game. Um, the consequences and actions of which you never really saw happening. And, and they're really close to broken stuff. Um, basically, you spend a force point to activate a force power that normally takes a move or a standard action as a swift action. All right? Spending a destiny point activates it as a reaction. I.e. whenever the hell you feel like it. Not even on your turn. Okay. Why is this so rocking? Because, younglings. The entire game balance is based on a very important idea of rules that break actions to combats and rounds. Force powers and other attacks have their power gauged by how much of that round they, they take up. And the per-round actions of damage dealers lead to a balance of hit points, reflex defense, and damage threshold that's very tenuous and very well worked. This pretty much lets you throw that balance on its head, body slam it into the ground, and then spit on it. Uh, 12 die 6 from move object is A lot. A lot. Thank goodness you can only do it once around. Huh. Oh, wait. <laughs> Not anymore. Yeah. So it, it, it's very cool. Quick and power can lead to a lot of cool stuff. And it's often one of the, uh, up there with devastating power, it's usually taken most frequently by seasoned players who really know what they're doing and know how to use it.
2: Right. So very cool. Right.
3: What is the last
2: Force Secret, Dave? The last one is one that I probably wouldn't use right now because it only <laughs> really is good for Force Slam, but uh, yeah. it's called Shape Power.
3: Yeah, I mean, you hit it, man. It's only useful for a single force power currently because there's only one force power currently in the game that has a cone shape to it. Um, But a lot of people don't like Force Slam. I mean, you've had some bad experiences with it, as we discussed last week, knocking fellow party members unconscious. You know, Uh, it was was for its own good. Yeah, it was for its own good. But, you know, basically this... The shaped power takes every single problem you ever had with Force Slam and just kind of sweeps it away. Um, spend a Force Point to turn your six square cone into a 30 square line, uh, affecting all targets in that line normally. Um, or spend the Destiny Point, and this is so cool spend the Destiny Point to effectively have the power manifest itself in a six square burst all around you, affecting every target within six squares of you that you want to be affected. Um, and those you don't want to be affected aren't. So, I mean, you could have 10 bad guys, four party members, and 11 kittens scattered randomly within six squares of you in all directions, and you spend the destiny point and just take out the bad guys.
2: Okay, maybe it's not Death Blossom, but um, (laughs) sorry, I had to pull out the old Last Starfighter. Dude, great movie. And I'm sorry, it
3: is Death Blossom. That's the thing. I mean, it's just you know, it it's a destiny point, but that's one of those awesome in game abilities that it's you know you know it can really save you know when you're utterly surrounded and you know there's a room filled with people and some of them are your friends and some of them are your allies or protectorates. You know, you can literally just go boom, spend the destiny point, call on the heroics of yourself, and take out everyone in the room that that you want, and that's it. But do you um, have to
2: wait go. for Gunho Iguana to plug some little Radio Shack toy in to <sighs> fix your ship? Yes. Okay. Yes.
3: By the way, I just want to say, The Last Starfighter needs a sequel. It needs one. They had it ripe for one. It was, oh, it was open. It was
2: there. It was.
3: They're remaking all these old movies, man. They need to make a sequel to The Last Starfighter.
2: That's right, because he and the girl go off into the That's stars. That's right, You know, I mean... Oh, they go off. They go off with uh, with Grig with with Gunho Iguana and, and Grig. You know, yeah, dude. Sequel, man, I, didn't even know. I didn't remember the name of that. And was that Amy Brenneman in that movie? Yes, she's hot. She's very hot.
3: <laughs> All right. Let us continue with the Force Adept. Okay. Okay. Well, those are basically um, the Force Secrets, guys, and you uh, we know we're going to cover them now uh, because there's two other prestige classes that use them, and we won't be covering them again. We'll just be referencing back. So. Very coolness, uh, very, 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 very awesomeness, very, very hotness, and uh, know the four secrets plan with them. There can really just turn you into an ultimate uber badass. What else? Talents. Ah, um, yes. Talents. The Force Disciple allows you to choose talents, uh, every odd level, obviously like like everything else, from the Force Adept talent trees. Uh, the Dark Side Devotee talent tree, the Force Adept talent tree, and the Force Item talent tree. Or, any Force talent in Chapter 6 of the Core Rulebook, which includes Alter, Control, Sense, Dark Side, the Jensarai, and Mary Witch talent trees. I'm not sure why they took the time to print that, since a Force-sensitive character can always take a Force talent from Chapter 6, yeah. for any class or prestige class they're a member of, but Okay, hey. Okay. Uh we rambled for something like ten minutes last episode about the force adept talent trees. We shan't do so again. Go back and uh, what, it. What we are going to talk about is the roles of the force disciple, um, extensions of the roles that are in the force adept, and this should help you pick your talent trees accordingly. mokey Hokey? no, Moke Hokey. Alright. The bottom line, guys. Okay, this class is a natural extension of the Force Adept, but unlike the Force Adept. I honestly don't think it fills as many roles. Um, why? Its talents are the same, right? Yeah, okay. And, but I think more than just talents make the class. Okay, the four secrets? Oh, hey, they're very powerful. But, you know, two other prestige classes grant them. So why go this route instead of Jedi Master or Sith Lord? Uh, oh. Well, there's a couple reasons. Um, Profit. Profit. <laughs> Indomitable. And not P-R-O-F-I-T either. Oh, oh, thank you. I, oh, yes, yes. You can profit with profit.
1: Ah,
3: yes. Oh, I didn't Good, mean. That. Goodness, I, I love it. Um, and also, the fact that you pretty much have to have far seeing as a power prerequisite. Yeah. Um, now that's that's not cool in and of itself, but from a role playing aspect, it is. So, what do I mean by that? Um, the keynote differences between this prestige class and others, is that its special abilities speak to a character with a deeper, for lack of a better word, metaphysical understanding of the Force. He's not as focused on combat, or influence. This character walks the path of one who has delved the depths of the living Force and has returned with precious treasures. The Force grants him greater gifts, such as more destiny points, and he's removed himself from the Force's effects by accepting its embrace, indomitable. Uh, He is a watcher, a seer, someone who uses the Force to understand and discover the truth of the galaxy. Mm-hmm. In terms of the roles, the extensions that come from the Force adept, let's first talk about the damage dealer. We talked about that in episode 19. Again, I'm going to say it again, and maybe you can agree with me or disagree, Dave. If you're wanting to lean on your lightsaber,
2: there's better classes than this. Oh, yeah. Okay. Bottom line, how it, many times, much better classes. How many, even though Yoda probably wasn't this, but how many times did you see Yoda out with his lightsaber exactly during the movies? Hardly ever. Yeah, like twice, you know. That's it. But they
3: say that he was a badass with his lightsaber. That's the thing, you know, that he was one of the greatest. Okay, but I mean, honestly, had Yoda not been steeped in the Jedi tradition, had he been just relegated to be a primitive on some backwater world, he would have been a, a Force disciple, no doubt. Okay, right. Um, the Force wizard build. Um, we talked about that with the Force adept. The epitome. Of what you could accomplish with this prestige class, the force disciple is there in the force wizard uh force secrets aside you become more mechanically able to manipulate the force often using those secrets with every level of this prestige class strictly because of profit because it grants you more destiny points which allow you to use those awesome force secrets more and to better effect. does that make sense, yeah, okay. So if you're heading that Force Wizard wa- Wizard route, this is totally the way to go. Remember, just because you're a member of the Jedi Order doesn't mean you have to take levels in Jedi Knight. It doesn't mean you have to take levels in Jedi Master. You can just as easily go Force Adept, Force Disciple, especially if you you know aren't
2: leaning on your lightsaber, as we like to say. How about Joe, Jedi Noble Crime Lord Force Adept? <laughs> You could
3: conceivably do that, yes. Um I, I think I I think Crime Lord and Jedi don't are not mutually exclusive. We talked about this when we were talking about the right. Crime Lord. I can see like a Jedi investigator, especially yeah. taking Crime Lord path. But I don't know. role playing a character like that, that would definitely be a very uh God for lack of a better term better term, lawful character. Very uh martially bent, you know? Yeah. Someone who would follow the Jedi code strictly. And I would see them going more Jedi Knight or Jedi Master, just because they would want to be steeped in that tradition. Right. But yeah, I think it could definitely work. And let's talk. Let's kind of end this discussion talking about the future of Tebow. Uh, last week, I regaled/slash bored you with uh, the story of my favorite character of all time, uh, Tebow the Ewok, a definite primitive uh, who was all about the role playing. Right? Oh, okay. If you want to play role play, that that mystic contemplative or the all-powerful tribal shaman, or the the wandering Jedi Master who has found the true mysteries of the Force, then this is all for you. That's really what the Force Disciple is is meant around, and Dave hit it on the nail, uh, hit hit the nail on the head right at the start of this talk when he said, you know, that it's all about that next-level, deeper understanding of the Force. Um, Role-playing-wise, that's what this prestige class represents, and all of its mechanical aspects are meant to emphasize that point. Right, Right Righto. So there is the Force Disciple, and if you guys have any questions about it, anything we missed, anything you have any uh, concerns or quandaries about, get to the forums at d20radio.com slash forum. Post it up there. We're anxious to hear about it.
2: Indeed, indeed. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah.
3: Was well, very good. I'm actually kind of looking forward to taking a brief break from the prestige classes. Although honestly, in two weeks' time, after Threats of the Galaxy, we're probably going to get back to it um, with the Gunslinger, which has probably uh-huh. been our most questioned and most, um, I guess, requested prestige class. So I'm um, I'm really looking forward to getting to that.
2: Yeah.
3: Total well,
2: Where are we going now, Dave? I believe that we're going to place a phone call, or, for lack of a better term. We're going to attempt to get in touch with the oft, uh, shall we say, drunken, not at his post, TK421. Do we have to? Well, we don't have to, but, well, we I are mean, paying, I... yeah, we're sending him a few credits here and there under the table, but, yeah. and we did <laughs> arrange, you know, to talk to him today. I guess,
3: if he's at his post.
2: <laughs> yeah, we'll see. All right, here we go. We'll try. TK421. Do you copy. Must be having a transmitter problem, of course. Alright, we're gonna go on. TK421. Hey, uh, TK421. the hell are y'all doing? That was your last chance.
4: I'm sorry, man. I had to finish my beer. You know, I don't want to have a big burp on my breath when I get on there with y'all.
2: What's your brand of choice, by the way?
4: Oh, man, I drink Imperial Light, man. It, i tell you what, it's a. It's a little bit, on, it's a little bit on the darker side of the beers, man. But uh, I tell you what, it's fast and it's easy. You know, very seductive.
2: Really, I kind of like those the the blonde honey ale. It's called. Um... I like blonde honeys. <laughs> 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 yeah. yuck, uh, yuck! 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 Um, I think we call it the uh, the rebel ale, as a matter of fact.
4: Don't don't be saying that too loud, man, but honestly, I like that stuff, too. It's pretty damn good beer. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty good. I had too much the other night, son. I had way too much because I swear I was seeing some crap I shouldn't have been seeing, man. I think I just had a little bit too much to drink, man. I don't know how much of it was the beer and how much of it was what was going on, but Uh, it was kind of crazy the other night, son. Well, tell us about this. Oh, man, we was out on patrol, man. We was out on patrol on some backwater planet, man. I really can't think the name of it too much, but in any event, man, I'll tell you what. We got a report of some guy saying there was a dude out there with, if you can believe it or not, a lightsaber swinging it around and doing all kinds of practice and the moves and swing, zoom, zoom, zoom bang, 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 doing stuff with it, you know? So, right, we we laughed, but, you know, with procedure and protocol, we had to take the unit out there to go investigate, right? Right. So we get out there, man, and we see this old boy, man, I swear to God, he had to have had one on him. I saw it all glowing in the dark and stuff. You know, like a big old glow stick, man, but, you know, again, I had a lot to drink. So did the rest of us, but we were taking pop shots at it, man, and he was just batting them away like he was out at the Wrigley Field, man, just boom. Off in the right field with everything we have thrown at him, and then he'd reach up with a blaster pistol and fire back at us, man. That's how we even really knew he was there after the fact, man. He hit my commanding officer in the toe. <laughs> in
2: the toe, and and uh, oh. how, how exactly do you know of uh, Wrigley Field? Do what now? Wrigley Field. I thought you were in a galaxy a long time ago in a
4: galaxy far, far away. I really what now? I, know, I don't know what you're talking about, son. All I know is, you know, we were out there having a the good old time, and then we had way too much to drink, and we were hallucinating, and uh, saw a feller, you know, shooting us with with a lightsaber in one hand while he was doing it, and you know, it was all it was all just alcohol induced hallucination, is what we said in, in our
2: report. Oh, I alcohol induced uh, hallucinations while you're hanging out in Fenway Park? Huh? Okay, never never mind, never mind, never mind, that's fine. Yeah, that's called dual, that's called dual weapon
4: fighting, by the way, if you hadn't heard of it. Uh, okay. Right. Well, well, that's good to know, man. Listen, Osers, I can't talk too much longer. I got another cold beer, it's getting warm, but I'm gonna go finish it.
2: Okie dokie, buddy.
4: Alright, you Osers be good now, take care, and uh, pop one back for me, alright?
2: Yeah, good talking to you, buddy. Later, Osers. Later. Bye, TK. Wow, man. That was a pretty good little discussion out of him.
3: Wow. I think it's the most I've heard from him in a long time.
2: Yeah. Well, you know what they say. Booze does loosen the tongue. Yeah, I suppose so. (laughs) I don't want to think about his tongue being loosened, though. We need to get him liquored up on that Imperial Light a little bit more. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. Well, speaking of getting liquored up and doing some crazy,
3: wild, and fantastic stuff, what do you say we move on to our D20 docking bay?
2: Okay. I bet we can.
4: D20 Docking Bay hosers. When it don't be making sense, we be making sense of it.
0: Ah yes. Uh
2: huh.
3: Ah, welcome to D20 Docking Bay. Um, this is uh, thanks to uh, two of our posters on the forums, uh, Duncan, aka Vader Sun, and uh, also another one of our posters, LB4000, uh, who both brought this up in differing respective threads. So we're gonna cover it. Okay, very cool. Um, this is an interesting question I've seen come up in several games, so let's talk about deflect and redirect in conjunction with dual weapon fighting and other attacks. Um, to kind of uh, break it down quickly, uh, Vader's son, in his thread, uh, his, his post, he asks, he says, hey gang, uh, this came up last night at my Dawn of Defiance meeting. I also have thought about it for a while. Suppose a character has a blaster pistol in his right hand. and He's got a lightsaber in his left hand. He has deflect, and he's proficient with both weapons. He doesn't have any dual weapon mastery feats. Can he shoot the pistol with no penalties? Can he then deflect blaster bolts with a lightsaber? What if he has redirect shot, and he now wants to use the lightsaber to redirect a deflected shot? What if the weapons were in the opposite hands? Uh, the basic idea is that a character only attacks with one weapon, the pistol, and then uses the lightsaber for deflection. Uh-huh. Is the character fighting with two weapons?
2: Nope. Oh, sorry. Go nope. ahead.
3: Yeah, no, well, you're pretty much right. Um, now, now, yowza, yowza, yowza. This this is a little bit of a toughie. okay? Um, many folks weighed in on it over the, over at the forums, and and now let's let's talk raw. Let's talk some common sense, and let's talk some GM discretion, okay? Let's start by doing a little brief review of some dual weapon fighting basics. Now, we already covered dual wielding in the D20 Docking Bay of episode 15. I'm not going to repeat it. I just want to note something very specific. Penalties associated with dual wielding are only mentioned when you attack with both weapons and only when it's on quote-unquote your turn all right this is clarified in the descriptions of dual weapon mastery feats on page 84 of the core rulebook in addition a full round action which includes dual weapon fighting represents all the actions on your turn per page 154 of the core rulebook now take that thought set it aside we're going to come back to it later let's take a moment to understand deflect and redirect shot okay okay Before we compare these lightsaber talents to standard attacks with said lightsaber, or with a blaster for that matter, let's clarify them. Deflect. Okay, this is not an attack. It's not even an attack action. Okay, it's not even a standard or a move action for that matter. Deflecting is a reaction, i.e. not even on your turn. And it's a skill check.
2: Right. A skill check. That's why I said no so quickly.
3: Yeah, use the force check. That's it. Does the party scout take minuses to his attack roll when he's firing his carbine if he also makes a perception check the same round, Dave?
2: Nope.
3: No. Now, I know it's an odd comparison, but it's a valid one. Still a skill check. Yeah. it's it. Per raw. Mechanically, deflect is just a skill check. Okay. Now, redirect shot's a little more tricky, okay, because it is an attack roll made after said skill check. Here's the difference. Redirect is made as a reaction, i.e., not on your turn, and this is important. Do you take penalties for reactions? Okay, an attack of opportunity—that's a reaction. Dave, if your character takes penalties, does your character take penalties on his attack of opportunity if he fired a shot on his own turn?
2: Nope. No, why not? Eh, because it was um—it's this is not on my turn. It's
3: not your turn.
2: No. Exactly.
3: Boom. There you go. So let's talk about raw versus kiss versus uh, uh screw the acronyms. Okay.
2: <laughs> All right.
3: Per rules is written raw. No penalty associated with wielding a weapon would ever be associated with deflect or redirect due to the fact that one isn't even an attack. And both are actions that don't occur on your turn. This is RAW. It also follows the KISS principle of saga design. Keep it simple, stupid. But does this make sense? Okay, some people don't think so. Many GMs and players are willing to sacrifice both of our beloved acronyms, RAW and KISS, for what they feel is an unbalancing play option the ability to blow people away with a carbine in one hand and then deflect blaster bolts with the other all at no penalty okay personally i don't find this too imbalancing um and honestly from a role-playing aspects aside from the younger hipper new jedi order fellows i really can't see a jedi using a blaster pistol okay you know but but gm chris it could happen with a creative character especially an npc and let's be frank most pcs are creative characters right okay point taken but mechanically, a two-handed lightsaber user will do more damage on average than a three-die eight blaster anyway. But but GM Chris, don't you see the advantages of remaining a ranged combatant with the defensive capability of a Jedi? Well, yeah, yeah, I, really, I suppose I really do. I still don't have that big of a problem with it. I mean, not enough to complicate the rules. But if you do, let's talk about some ways to modify this if you feel you need to. All right. A couple ways. First of all. Imposing a penalty on either the deflect, use the force skill check, or the redirect attack roll. I don't know about you, Dave. I I really don't like penalizing a skill check because you made an attack. Um, it has zero foundation in the game at all. Okay, but penalizing a redirect attack roll, eh, maybe. All right, but I would probably go with a minus five or a minus two at most. Right. Okay? Right. Right. The second option would be to require the character to declare redirect during his own round. Um, I've seen this used. This option would require the character to take the dual weapon attack penalty on any blaster attacks he makes during his round, which would then allow him to redirect later. Uh, if you made an attack with no penalty though, he's forfeited his ability to redirect that round. Okay, yeah, I really don't much care for this either because, okay, what if you don't get the chance to redirect? Okay, well, you've declared it, well, and you took a minus a 10 to your attack, so you've nerfed yourself for no reason. <laughs> All right, which is why the penalties rules as written only apply to attacks on your turn to begin with. All right. right. Bottom line, I don't see the need to alter this. This is how it functions. I think it's how it should function. I don't find it imbalancing. In fact, I find it pretty freaking cool. But if you feel the need to nerf it, those are a couple options available to
2: you. There you go. There you go. Yep. Well, I
3: think that brings this cast to a close, wouldn't you say, Dave?
2: I believe it does, sir.
3: I believe it most 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 definitely most definitely does, and I'm excited, man. I'm excited for uh, Friday, man, and in, in just a few short days, we're going to be continuing with our home game. Yes,
2: ah, uh, yes, yes. Is your
3: wookie excited to be splitting things in half with a vibroax once again?
2: Of course, of course. Ah,
3: uh, you should be. It's going to be tight, and uh, I'm very excited to uh, to do it. I've been planning the game, and it's just been a been a very very exciting thing. So.
2: Yeah, of course. I'm looking forward to it. With all these ideas we're getting from uh, the Gamer Nation that uh, we might have Yeah.
3: To- I really, I really have to say, you know, we got started on this cast. I was, I was excited to communicate with people out there and share ideas, and uh, the exact opposite is happening. Our forum community has been so amazing that I'm, I'm learning stuff. I mean, every day I'm reading. I'm like, oh crap, oh man, oh man, I got to include that in the game. Oh, oh, that's just incredible. Oh, that's incredible. You know, every single day. So um, yeah. if you guys are are looking to find out more about this game, or if you're looking to improve the existing games you're running, I would really encourage you to get to our website at d20radio.com. Go to the forums. And uh, sign up and, and get your voice heard. There's a lot of really great user-generated content out there. And if you have any questions for us on the cast, any, th- any thorny rules issues, any uh, game balance questions or or scenarios you want us to talk about, let us know. Give us a call at the Looza line, 206-600-5872, or email us, uh, gmchris at d20radio.com or gmdave at d20radio.com. You got it.
2: All right. All right, man. Well, with
3: that, guys, yeah, I think that's just about it. I wish you, uh, thank you again for tuning in, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Until then, peace, love, and good gaming.
2: That's right. And before we go, chances are, uh, because I have to go to Alabama next week. Oh, that's right. We may have this cast up on Saturday night. Maybe. Maybe, maybe. But uh, for Gamer Nation, if we don't have it up on Saturday night, do not look for it for another week, because I will be gone and completely out of touch.
3: Dave's schedule's hard, but we will find a way to make it work.
2: Yep, yep, yep. yep. In Birmingham, Alabama.
3: Birmingham, Alabama.
2: That's right. We're a really good bar, uh, barbecue bar, barbecue shot uh, burned down right next to the hotel that you just stay at. Aww. Nick and Ted's, man. Anyway. God,
3: every, every time a barbecue joint burns down in Alabama, a redneck loses his wings.
2: <sighs> That's a shame. And on that note. We'll end episode 20. <laughs> Keep them dice a-rolling. Bye, guys.
4: 20 Radio, where gamers roll